are listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about the Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Welcome to the Coffee and Calling Podcast with Dan and Griff. Griff, how are we doing? Good, dude. Finals are done. I I still <sighs> have to write that one two-page paper for, for uh, Dr. Summers' class. Dr. But Summers. Doctor, is that what I sound like? I finished that last night. Yeah, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I was like, goodness gracious. But it is a great feeling. First oh, year of Masters under the weird. belt, Griff. That's weird. Next I mean, year, we're going to be Masters graduates. We're going to be Masters. Well, that hey, when Master you Daniel Wetler. Master Wetler, <laughs> Master Wetler, when you get into a church, are you going to start going by Reverend because you got your MDiv equivalent? No, no, I will. I'll probably just be Pastor Dan. Call me Rev. Call me Rev. Reverend. Reverend Dan. Rev Dan. Rev Dan. Rev Dan. Rev Dude, what? I, like. I mean, I don't know. It depends how like you I know, know being in youth ministry. I feel like the kids just decide what you are. You know, whatever they put together, whatever nickname Could be they vulgar. give you. I hope it's not full. I'll change that one. I'll be like, hey, guys, nah, you get me. You're not calling me that. Yeah, nope, you're not calling nope, me that. Nope, Don't like, didn't like that. I, I say that anytime students will say like something that. like out of pocket or something, I go, well, didn't like that. That's you know, what my wife should. says when I say something out of pocket. She's like, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. yeah I'm like, yeah, I right, noted. I won't say that again. It's like, whoop. All right. Put that under it. Put a pin in that. That is. But, dude, it feels crazy that we're almost done with this uh-huh. first year. I know. It's, it's been a breeze, but. Man, I mean, it's even really cool, you know, what is this, like, we're over like 20 episodes on Coffee and Calling. Yeah, I've probably only been on like half hey, as no, the co-host. <laughs> 15, 15, 15. But that's not bad. Goodness. We that's had a to, really good three-point percentage, 75%. Yeah, I love it. That's what... That's better than Curry, baby. All, all three of the Splash Brothers <laughs> right now, they're just immortalized, but let's not even get into sports. We don't want to get into that right now. Not right now. But what we do want to get into is our guest for today. Now, let me tell you, people, this girl right here, she knows how to teach kids how to read the Bible like it's nobody's business. But another thing about her is if you ever see this girl on a basketball court, get out of the way. I don't care who you think you are. I don't care what AAU team you have. Step back jumper right in your face. In the same way, she'll take a passage. She'll exegete it. She'll form it into some way that the students of this world are going to be taught the Bible and the students are going to lead revival. The kids are not going to just simply be singing the, the VBS songs. They will be coloring the pictures of the white robes, Jesus coming in, because she is a master at what she does. The Carson Howard. Hey, everyone. I'm glad to be here today. And it's Carson. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What, who is Carson? Yeah. So what a question. <laughs> what a question. I am currently a children's pastor at Wabash Friends Church. So it's about half an hour from the school I'm at right now. So that's been a great thing to step into. I'm part-time right now, but stepping into full-time mm. after I get married. So I'm about to marry my junior high sweetheart. So oh, we're getting married in like 15 days. So the countdown is on. The stress levels are high. It's great. But 15 I, days. Yeah. 15 days. Yeah. So we're having graduation next weekend. Following weekend oh, will be man. the wedding. My mom is freaking out. <laughs> so, so you said junior on. high, sweetheart, right? Yeah. Yeah. We started dating, dating in seventh and eighth grade. 
So goodness. And what's his name? Caleb. Caleb. Goodness. What's his last name? Stout. So you're about to be. How do you feel about taking the name Stout? Good. Yeah. I feel great. I think it's definitely in the midst of all the changes. Then mm. someone's like, oh, you have to change your last name. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Let me go that through that whole legal hey. process. Like it's don't, don't feel in a big rush because it took my wife six months to do it. Yeah. Yeah. My plan is, I mean, this summer will be filled with VBS. We'll be filled with camps. On. And I'm like, okay, November. November sounds like a yeah. good chill time. That'll too. be when the official name changes. That's when we'll do the official. But it's, it's fine. Really? It's pretty, um, you just got to mail, I mean, depending on how you feel about mailing your social security card in uh, to the social security office. It's pretty, it's pretty quick, honestly. I think we mailed it and she got it back in like two weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. But it's, it was a little scary. Where are you guys honeymooning at? You know? Uh, yeah. South Padre Island. So it's off the oh. coast of Texas. So it'll oh. be really warm and hopefully not a lot of like spring breakers because everyone's still in school. So oh, it'll yeah, be a that's great true. time to relax. Hopefully no hurricanes. Yeah. That's oh, that would be horrible, Griffin. That would be, that would be the story. Hey, that's why I said hopefully not. That could would you, be a story. Could you imagine telling the kids of the future, yeah, there was a hurricane. How was your guys' honeymoon? Yeah, there was a, there was a hurricane. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that was oh. beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> Beauty in the storm. You, you, <laughs> you ever hear the stories um, about like people who get sucked up into tornadoes and like oh they gosh. get knocked unconscious and like tossed a mile and then wake up in a field with just like bumps and bruises? No, I've never heard that before in my life. Yeah, that, I was just thinking like that would just be, that would be. You said it would be a story, Carson, and I was thinking like, like what if Caleb got stolen by the hurricane, but like got tossed to mainland Texas and woke up and he was just like, "Where am I?" <laughs> it's you like know? The, what's the movie? But he's fine. What's the movie with a young. Oh my gosh, it's a young Tom Holland. Oh, Impossible. that's a great movie. Impossible. Literally, they were. It was a family. They were there for the tsunami. Um, that's an amazing movie. And like, legitimately, like. They survived, and maybe you know, maybe, maybe actually, hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully, hopefully you not. don't have to worry about There's this. No at all. movie okay. about Caleb and Carson let's Stout. Stop. <laughs> let's stop talking about. Let's just say we hope I nothing but warm weather, calm honeymoon, beach yeah. days, nothing but that. You know, so I hope uh, sunburn is the worst thing you have to deal with. Oh it's goodness, not even that. Gosh dang it, that's the one thing I'm not excited about this summer. You know, it's tough out here in these days for the. The gingers. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. <laughs> I was supposed to say something about your gingerhood. Every every, every episode. episode. I was gonna say, you go up like a piece of paper in a bonfire out there. <laughs> it's not good. But hey, <laughs> praise God for uh, sunscreen. Amen. Yes. That's that why I don't wear it. That is so. So Carson, we got a special question that we like to ask all of our guests. Um, most of them don't know this question, so um, it's a big question. If you could have a cup of coffee. With any person in the Bible, other than Jesus, who would it be? Hmm. This one's hard. I think, yeah, definitely Jesus. But other than Jesus, mm. I would probably choose to have it with Ruth. Mm. I think just her whole process and her whole story would be such an interesting thing to hear from her perspective. Um, and like all the little tedious things that we don't get to see through her story, mm. but getting to learn about that from her perspective would be incredible. Goodness. Is there any particular part within like the Ruth story that like, especially like intrigues you or just like, yeah, that you would just ask her about like first question almost. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know that there's any like specific, mm. specific part, but just like 
just sitting in it with her from mm. especially from a female's perspective because we don't get a ton of those throughout scripture and just getting to just hear it from her and like from her cultural like experience as well and so i think all of that would mm. be really good mm. that's super good yeah ruth is such like an i we got to um no I, that was esther um but we got i got to recently like go back to ruth and study uh study just her story just in general and it's such a it's just a story of faithfulness like that's one of my favorite things about it it's just somebody that's so faithful to another person and just really stands by them um i mean there's so many reasons that uh she didn't have to do the way that she did and the story is like i literally I like i will stand by you and i think that's just a beautiful image of the way we are supposed to be just as a, like brothers and sisters in christ just in general or even to god himself is like you know as people that like asking her like you know i i think one of the cool things like to just honestly be asking her is like what was that like through the pro the years where like it didn't seem like things were going well and you were committed to this and it's like oh geez you know like but yeah i just ruth is a she's a legend shout out ruth i think like <laughs> part of it too because jesus like descends from her lineage mm-hmm I think part of it, and we don't talk about it a lot. I kind of think Ruth is a type of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, just the like the the self giving nature of her entire character. Mm. Um, she's not concerned about her own safety because mm-hmm. she's leaving. Right, we did that study in uh, Epic of Eden about mm-hmm. like the household, right? Yeah, and how women relied upon their male relatives to give them security status and like access to basic food and water and stuff. Mm -hmm. So like when Ruth's giving that up, she is giving up all her access to any income, any food, any shelter. Mm -hmm. And she's doing all that just to help take care of Naomi because Naomi has zero chance to be redeemed. Yeah. She's old. She's not going to remarry. Her husband's dead. Her sons are dead. Those were her main hopes, right? Mm-hmm. But Ruth saying, I'm going to give up everything that was familiar to me, any source of comfort that I might have had, any security or power that I could have, you know, played off of. And I'm going to come with you, come with you to your homeland mm-hmm. and I'm going to like help you, you know, yeah. give up everything of myself and I'm going to help you so you can be redeemed. And I think that just is like a beautiful thing that points us to Christ. Come on. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Come on. Nice. Now we've added, this is like halfway through the yeah, podcast series. We added this question and this actually, I, I actually love this question more now. Like the imagination. It's, it's just, it's a fun one. If you could go and watch one scene in the Bible live, what would it be? I definitely think it would be when the Red Sea is parted. Oh. Like the look Man, on everyone's more faces would be just like, that would just be worth it. Just yeah. to see their faces. Like that's oh what God. I would want to see. Like wait, what is happening? So I've, I was telling my kids the story um, a couple weeks ago. We're walking through the Old Testament right now. And we were like on the story. And as soon as I was like, yeah, and then the Red Sea parted. They're like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, like it split and they walked through it. And they're like, their faces were shocked. And I was like, okay. So just imagining the people's faces like there, like in the moment. Oh my gosh. 
that's that's so right. I did. I I would never even think about how like the people would react and everything. Like just imagining that. Like he raises his steps. Oh my, what's going? Oh my what god! Is he doing? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Okay, we're gonna walk through it. Um, Looking back at the Egyptians coming after them. Uh, uh, well, I mean, I guess we don't have really another we're choice. We're gonna die anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Trust the Lord. Well, then there's that scene of like you know like. Uh, one time, Amanda Jury, shout out Amanda Jury, she like painted out for us the scene where there's like the great cloud that's like the flame and everything. And like part of it is like confusing the Egyptians. And then the other part is like guiding the Israelites. And you just see this giant like flame, like light of like fire and like cloud in the sky guiding you. And, and there's sea walls next to you. And you're just like, oh my God. And it's like, it's a, it's a long walk. And there's like thousands of, I mean, Thousands upon thousands of people. A ton. It's way more than you like typically think. I think it. I mean, dude, it had to be at least like like five hundred thousand. It was a ton. I don't know the exact number. It was stupid. Stupid. Or the fish. Let's think about the mind warp. This is gonna. This is like a terrible Facebook meme. But you might have seen it. I don't know. But it's like these, these fish that like they're they're on their way to work or whatever, <laughs> and they're going, and uh, like they they gets raised up and the fish are going to be late to work and like one of them says like my boss isn't going to believe this or something like that. You won't believe what I just thought that I, that reminded me of that. I thought it was funny. Oh my gosh, we're just living through that, just like in general. Like I think like you know, like the story just being able to share that story. Yeah, it was uh, so yeah. Well, that whole. This is kind of sad, but that whole generation died. Yeah, they all got <laughs> like slayed just, by the I Levites. I just let that sit there. So probably not a lot of them shared the story, but I just, this is in my first century, as Dave Smith would say, 21st century mindset. Uh, but like, like I, don't know. I just think of that, like if like seeing that and like, then you go and doubt, how is he going to deliver us? I wonder if there was Bro, just, how one, do you forget what, about just one guy in the group. Are you serious? He split the sea. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my gosh. But I mean, we do that all the time. Mm-hmm. How many times does God act faithfully in our lives? And then hey, we, we continue to get stressed out and anxious about trivial things. Don't you know, say it to him, Griffin. Don't say it. Hey, to I him. do it all the time. <laughs> Come on. I'm man. speaking from my own heart right now. Yeah, I do it all the time. Message. Come on, man. Come on. Mm. But yeah, that's, that is a crazy it's a crazy scene. A good pick, and I'm surprised we haven't heard that one more often, to be honest with you. Thank you for finally saying that. That was OG. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Mm. You know, like, I don't know how many more episodes we're going to do, mm-hmm. but I want to see Samson kill all those Philistines with a jawbone. What the heck is wrong with you? Dude's got a jawbone. You want to see? Like, how many does he kill? Like a thousand, a thousand by himself? What, you, what is this? Like you think it's Jason, John Wick? Like what? Yeah, are we, dude. <laughs> yeah. That's such a, honestly, I'm not gonna lie. That would be like, how's he pull that off? Hey man, he was a he's a soldier for God. Man killed a lion, bare hands. What is? Yeah. Shot pillars down. That's when it. he was blind. <laughs> I guess that didn't really affect your physique. Well. Can you imagine? Just I just I just like imagine that like, the Philistines are looking at him. What is are you this, doing? Ben? Is this the pillar? What are you doing, bro? Is this pillar? Okay, Samson? okay, thanks. Samson, get your hand off the pillar. Samson, <laughs> no. <laughs> and then he's gone. Scene <laughs> and scene and scene. <laughs> that is well, Griff. Enough segues and 
going off the rails. Off the rails. Carson, tell us about your your call to ministry, kind of how that evolved and began for you, and um, maybe what, what it looks like for you now and as you move forward here into the future. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of rewinding into like my testimony, um, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and mm-hmm. so I didn't grow up really going to church and everything, and um, that actually plays a role into how I met Caleb. He We played soccer together, and he oh. bought me a sports devotional, <laughs> and we started reading it together, and I like hate reading. It's like the worst thing, and so um, he was like, hey, can I buy you this book? And I'm like, I'm a people pleaser, so I was like, sure, yeah, <laughs> buy me the book. It's fine. So we ended up reading it together, and it truly opened my eyes to who God was for the first mm. time ever, and so from there, we um, grew. He started discipling me and mentoring me, and I started going to church with him. So that's kind of how my love for the Lord began of just mm. having my eyes open through doing devotions and truly leaning into who God was and learning about him. And so from there, I came to Indiana Wesleyan, and I started studying social work. Mm. Um, I babysit for a family who has foster kids and so they have been a huge part of my life Mm. and so I was like okay I'm gonna go into the social work like I'm gonna do this and I quickly realized that it wasn't like it wasn't the fit and Mm. I couldn't identify exactly why but I knew like if I want to foster kids in the future I don't want to work in the field and then come home to the field like that's really hard and so um, I chose to step out of foster or um, out of social work with the hopes of fostering in the future And then I was like, okay, uh, I feel stuck. I don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. And so I actually changed the community development, I think for two days. And then Mm -hmm. I switched. And this was in the time that we all got sent home from school in the Mm -hmm. spring semester for COVID. And I was, I was commuting actually. And so I got to just stay home. I was going through my room um, and I stumbled upon like at Indiana Wesleyan, and like you used to be able to pick up these colorful sheets of paper that have like your whole course outline of all the classes you have to take in order to graduate. And so I was cleaning my room and I found this paper as I was praying, like, God, I need you to help me figure out what to do. Like, do I stay in college? Do I not? And I found it and it was an outline for Christian education. And I was like, when did I pick up this paper? Like, I have no (laughs) idea how this got into my bedroom. And so I started reading it and I was like, wow, like this is it. Like, this is what I need to do. And so um, coming back in the fall semester, then I changed my major and I started Mm. taking these classes. And it wasn't until I started sitting in these classes that God was very clear of like, this is where you're called to be. And for the first Mm. time, it just felt like home. Like it felt like Mm. a sense of like peace had come over me after making this decision and choosing to step into that. And from there, my passion, I've always had a huge passion for kids. And so um, my calling does definitely wrap around not only being with kids, but teaching them and especially not growing up learning these foundational stories that I'm now learning alongside my kids sometimes for the first time that I truly have a passion for wanting to equip the next generations Mm -hmm. and to equip their parents as well of, I mean, Dave Smith has opened my eyes to how to Mm -hmm. effectively, like how to read the Bible and how to do that um, in a way that truly speaks what the Bible is saying and not what we're interpreting it as. Mm -hmm. And so through that, I'm like, how do we teach this to kids? Like, how do we start this at a young age and grow it? And so that's kind of been like where my heart's at right now with my calling of, not exactly knowing all the different routes that it's eventually going to take, but knowing yeah. that my heart is for the Lord and he's definitely placed this passion of kids and equipping them um, just to be the next generations that continue walking in his way. So mm. 
That is so cool. Like adapt, uh, like teaching IBS to kids is something I never ever would have even thought of doing as like possible. Because like I remember when I when I first took IBS here, I'm like, this is this is a lot. How are we supposed to do this? But like, I did a practicum for local church ed at the river with Kids Creek, and I was like, dang, these kids are a lot smarter than I give them credit for. Mm. So that's really cool. Yeah, I, that's really. Cool. I like love that. I like. I, it kind of sounds like you're in the, are you still like in the early stages of thinking it through? Is this something you're like doing right um, now? Yeah, definitely still in the early stages mm-hmm. of figuring out how to do it, especially with kids. I mean, yeah. they are so smart, but also they're in the process of learning how to read and her, learning how to write. And so <laughs> you can't take these like, hey, I need you to write down like this thing. And it's like, no, they, they don't know how to write their name. Look for and this so, structure. So yeah, like they can't they don't read. know how to write their name. <laughs> and so like with that I've realized that if we're gonna do this you have uh-huh. to do it like I mean it's so much like for adults you can kind of come up with like one process that most yeah. people can follow whereas kids you're gonna have to do it for so many different age groups based uh-huh. off of their learning abilities yeah. which will take a lot of time yeah. to figure out but that's my hope of trying to just figure out how to more effectively do this instead of just having them show up to church on Sundays and listen to this lesson and yeah. eat a snack and do and a and draw a picture <laughs> yeah like yeah. and which all that's great and I love doing with my kids yeah. but how do we dive deeper into actually teaching them come like, on the bible so yeah it's a, all kind of in the yeah. in the works but I think one thing you have in your favor is like I know when I got here as like uh would we have taken IBS as pre as like pre CM? Pre CM, what do you mean? Like before we were accepted into the major, was like that yeah, a class? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Oh, way before. So that. I know when I first came in, I was like, okay, if I want to be, I want to, I want to do Christian ministries as my major. I better, I better act like I know a lot. But like <laughs> IBS is all about asking questions, and I think kids are already really good at asking questions. So I think that might, like, I think it'll naturally play out in a way that, mm-hmm. um kind of works you know yeah. mm-hmm. write down all all right you, we just heard the lesson from this passage write down all the questions you want to ask write mm-hmm. down all of them i don't know yeah and i feel like it also begins to work like what you're saying is so good like on the aspect of like it begins to have the students process the word and also some of those really tough questions begin to learn like oh how can i answer these like what do i need to do like to find these things because like i mean I love, I love kids ministries also, but like kids, like the thing is kids will ask really tough questions <laughs> at weird times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, why did God kill all those people? Oh, well, well, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I think it's not because it's not because they're dumb. And I, I don't like when people dumb kids down like that. It's because they're generally intrigued mm-hmm. and they're like, this is confusing. Why oh, yeah. is this the way it is? They have childlike, like they have childlike faith, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and it shows through with that curiosity yeah. and awe. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were learning the story because we are we're doing the gospel project right now um, curriculum. And so they hey. walk you through the Old Testament and in, into the New Testament. So we were learning about how Abraham was about to go sacrifice his son. And one of the girls is like, so why is he like, why is he going to kill his son? Like, this is ridiculous. And then the couple of weeks later, we were learning about how like um, just the sacrificial system and how they would sacrifice these animals. And the same girl was I mean, she's so smart. And she's like but why would God create animals for then them to be killed? And I'm like, that's a great question. Talk to me after class. Like, <laughs> Let's that, talk about sin. That's fantastic. <laughs> but it's like those 
questions are already being uh-huh. shouted out yeah. in the middle of the lesson or the middle of the video. And I'm like, those are so good. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about it. Uh huh. They're questions that people like sometimes like adults would be too afraid to ask mm-hmm. uh-huh. because they're too, they're afraid to look stupid. You know what I mean? Or, or to look like they don't know what's going on when in reality, like we should all, we should all realize like when it comes to biblical knowledge, we're all stupid and we're all going to be stupid. Mm-hmm. Not, not technically stupid, but yeah, always have room to grow and should always be asking questions every time you come to the Bible. Mm-hmm. I always say it like this is like the motto to live by when it comes to IBS is what Paul says at the end of first Corinthians 13 for we now only know in part. Um, and then we will see fully when Jesus comes. And I think that the rest of our lives as we learned this in a class called doctrine of God, which is the study of God and how we see him. But there's this view about when we know more about God or we know more about word, it's this infinite horizon Mm -hmm. that we're always looking to this. It becomes more beautiful, but it also becomes like the more I see, the less I know type of vibe. Like I'm like, oh, wow, this is like so much more vast than I ever (laughs) thought it was. And beginning that journey as kids where, I mean, I'll tell you this, and I am a byproduct of what you just said. Um, my growing up, I was a Christian since I was seven years old, and I was studying the Word since I was seven years old. My, this is going to be really funny. I don't mean to sound holy or art there as I say this, so please, it's just it's funny to me. But when I was eight years old, like I used to stay, stay up till three a.m. writing sermons. And like my mom would come in and it'd be like, she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just wrote a sermon on Mark five. What? They were probably horrible. They're very heretical. But (laughs) like there was just this, this desire for me as a kid and my parents didn't shut that out. And the thing was actually at like, I was actually made fun of for my love for the word. And I went to a Christian middle school, but that's besides the point. Made fun of a Christian middle school. school I mean, elementary school. Sorry. I went to a public middle school, but, um, but like, uh, elementary and like that's like and I think that's so appreciate and I love what you're saying because it's not diminishing those kids that have these questions and really desire to kind of know what's going on mm-hmm. but it's actually saying no this is good that you want to know this and like even early on we see kids with the heart of God so perfectly mm-hmm. so I I'd say my question to you with that is um I don't want to say you're going to get pushback necessarily, but I think nonchalantly people might be like, Oh, you think that's like a little too complicated for the kids? Yeah. Parents are going to be like, why are you teaching my, I just want you to be basically like some parent, like I don't want to generalize it, (laughs) but some parents just want children's church to be a place where their kids are babysat for an hour while they go Mm -hmm. to church. Mm -hmm. And like, like with that, like my question is like, what do you think are some of like in today's like our like local church culture? Like, what are some of the misconceptions about kids ministry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I haven't experienced this from personal experience, like in any of my mm-hmm. um, jobs or internships, but I've heard countless stories of how children's ministry, yeah, like is viewed as babysitting or, Hey, I'm going to leave my kids with you for an hour and you get to do this. I get to <laughs> sit in church alone without like, and again, not from any of the contexts I've served in, but mm-hmm. from hearing stories and experiences of other people and other um, ministry leaders, of trying to break those of, um, no, like we want, we want this to be a time where your kids are also spiritually transformed and, Mm. um, and allowing them just to enter into a safe space to do that. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's always my goal is to just create an, an, a space for kids to come and encounter, 
encounter God in ways that they are going to understand. Um, and so, so with that, I think that would be a major pushback, but also I think yeah. just looking down on kids and their ability to learn and mm. to understand. And, and I think that just comes from a lack of, I mean, from the previous generations, not knowing their scriptures and uh, pushing like for little, like for younger kids, like starting yeah. really young, that was never really pushed um, as much. Cause I mean, Ken's ministry is, I mean, the last, I don't know how many years, have just has started like growing more into yeah. like what they do and actually having programs and stuff like that. So like the resources are growing for kids ministry in the last like 20 plus years. But I think just coming out of um, just mindsets of these kids are just kids, let them have fun, <laughs> let them do all the things. <laughs> and we're like, no, no, no. Like, let's teach them. Like, let's do this. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, we see what they learn in school. We see they're capable of learning. Mm-hmm. So I think that those are just two, I think major pushbacks that, we would uh-huh. eventually get of are they are they capable of learning this or are we like pushing them to not be kids and pushing them into yeah, yeah, um, yeah. just like sitting in another classroom or whatever. So, uh-huh. yeah, I think going alongside it, you might run into trouble if the adults ministry is lacking mm-hmm. biblically mm-hmm. with biblical yeah, literacy, yeah, too, because yeah, yeah, yeah. like once these kids start asking questions that their parents don't know how to answer, their parents are probably going to start getting a little upset. You know Uh what I mean? So I think it needs to go hand in hand. Like, you know, the, the children need to be involved in, in IBS middle school needs to be involved in growing in their ability to do IBS Uh high school needs to be getting pretty good at it. And once you get ahead of that, you know, you get to the regular adult ministries then you have a biblically literate church that starts from, Mm -hmm. Yeah kindergarten first grade you know and that's when you start to really see communities transformed Mm -hmm. when it's like it's an all hands on deck situation you know where everybody's invested everybody's reading the word Uh and that's when like you're gonna hear some little kids start speaking some wisdom over some adults you know (laughs) and people are gonna be starting like whoa what's going on what's going on over there you know they already do without the obvious man that's true kids be saying some stuff i'd be like i never thought about that before okay okay and it's um yeah, I, I mean, I agree. And, like, even from, like, because um, my, my passion is going into, like, youth ministry. And I just see it in these, like, they've always had these questions. And they've always, like, been so intrigued by it. We were doing some IBS stuff with our students, um, me and this guy named uh, Cam Roberts. Shout out, Cam. Love you, bro. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, and Cam taught him how to do, like, a whole book survey, which if you want to know that, that's where you take and you split up the book and you pretty much share, like, these are the different sections of a certain book in the Bible. And the one kid, Ryan, just went, man, it finally made sense how to break up scripture. Like, I finally got where things needed to be placed. Um, He said, because he was confused by the versing and the chapters, and if you didn't know, the Bible was written as one narrative, meaning like there weren't verses, there weren't chapters. It was like first Timothy start finish. It was written like a book, but you read the whole thing. You read the whole thing. And like, and it was mostly spoken to you. And there's just that clear hunger for students. I think of a kid right now, shout out Josh Farrow. Love you, homie. I know you're listening. Um, Josh is a high school senior about to come here and he'll be on Snapchat and he'll literally just post, just read the whole book of John. <laughs> and I'm like, he's just reading. He's like, I just want to like know how to do it more. But I think like from like those early stages and how that, like we said, like you can almost like inspire those parents of like, Oh, I mean, if my kids can know how to yeah. do this, yeah. I can I know how to do this. <gasps> this isn't as hard as I thought. It is. 
Mm. Now, what is like, so what do you think is generally the impact that parents have on kids? Um, And the reason I'm asking this question is because as someone who's also going into youth ministry, I think about like, I'm getting these students once or twice a week. Mm -hmm. Um, There is no way for me to be the greatest spiritual influence in their life. But most of the time, the greatest influence on a student's spiritual life is their parents. Mm -hmm. And I would say like, like asking you that question, like, what do you think is the impact that these parents have on your, on kids and how you've seen that with the way you've ministered to different kids? Yeah. I, I think parents have every impact on their kid that, Mm -hmm. that everything that the parents do for their children or to their children affects the way that they live in every other aspect of their life. And so I know like growing up, my mom was very encouraging of, I don't want to be the only person who speaks into your life. I want you to go have mentors and friends that everyone like can speak into your life as well. And so for parents who are open to that, that encourages such like um, great community to form and to be like on the search Mm. for extra people to be plugging into your life. But for parents who aren't as open to other mentorship like that then plays a role. And so I think every decision that parents make in some capacity affects their child, but as far as like my role with it, I'm not a parent, but I want to equip these parents to Mm. be the spiritual leaders of their home. And I think that's a big misconception of like, especially with children's ministries, like I'm going to leave my child with you. You're going to teach them about Jesus. And then I'm going to come pick them up and we're just going to like live Mm. our life during the week just as normal. Um, But I, I've seen that just by talking through to other people in other contexts of that sometimes can be the mindset of parents. And Mm. so instead, um, pushing it to be you no know, children's ministry is that we come and partner with you to grow together. But we want to equip the parents first in order mm. to lead their kids, because ultimately I can't lead like 200 kids in their <laughs> faith. Like I can't be the, all of their mentors. I don't have enough hours in a day for that. Would I love to? Yes, yeah. but I can't. And so in reality, like we, if we equip the parents to be the spiritual leaders of their home, then they're able to be flooding into their kids and then their kids reach more kids and their parenting reaches more parents like type of thing. It's just kind of, that's just kind of my mindset of what I want to approach yeah. equipping parents first in order to help their kids. Cause ultimately that's going to just benefit the kids in the best way if is if their parents are like spiritually leading their home. Mm. I brought to mind Deuteronomy um, chapter six, verses six through nine. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Mm. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Don't ask me what a frontlet is. I don't know. (laughs) You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Mm -hmm. And part of the issue is I don't think... Like, uh, I'm not, I don't want to generalize, but one of the issues is, um, adults don't talk about Mm. anything spiritual with other adults. Why would they talk about it with their kids? You know? And they expect pastors to be the spiritual leader of their kids because, and like that, you know, you only get that interaction on Sunday when they go to children's church, because that's the same thing that they're doing for themselves. It's when they go Uh to church on Sunday, that's their fill. Uh You know, it's like they stopped at the gas station. That'll be enough to get them through the week. And then they're going to be running on fumes 
uh-huh. usually by Sunday night, mm-hmm. but they're going to keep going until the next Sunday. They're going to stumble yeah. in there limping and then hope for a rejuvenation and they're going to suffer through the rest of the week because they're yeah. not, you know, they're not communing with God daily. Uh-huh. Sorry. That was a rant. <laughs> I just cut that off pretty abruptly. But no, I but think I, I think it's like cognitively, like the way you start, you kind of get set into this routine or you get set into this certain type of rhythm. And like if kids are taught, you're going to show up each week, you're going to get a simple lesson. And you forget about it. You're going to get a little snack and a game. And then you're just going to go. And then we'll see you next week. You get to youth group. We have a game, a snack. You go to college, you do some maybe adult, young adult ministry stuff, and then you become an adult, you go to church, you get your donut. Get your coffee. Get your coffee. And you're you out, drop in, the you're kids out off, in an hour. Drop the kids and you drop it. And it's this this mental thing and like where if it's like, oh no, no, we gotta we gotta look at such a setting like when people go into programming like a local church and like, man, we need to start up getting people like really more into this and everything. People start with all the adult ministries and it's like, no, you got to think about the kids ministry or man, this somebody, a pa- pastor, Matt uh, Robert said this to me. He said, you realize for, as a youth pastor, he said, you realize that the kid, that kids that you're youth pastoring right now are going to be the mentors of your kids. And I was like, that it just put a whole different, like these people you're raising up are going to be the people that are going to be the examples for your kids when they come behind it. And even in kids ministry. But if you have like a kid and like literally like watching the, uh, the students grow up, like your kid, when they're in the kids ministry, they're going to be looking up to the kids in the youth group. And those are going to be the kids you minister to. And that's like such a crazy thing to think about the responsibility as ministers is that when we minister to these students, we have to think generationally. Like this is going to affect uh, generational things and how they cognitively think about the church throughout their life. Um, And I just, I think that's so powerful and why like, and this is like kind of like my plea with this is that like, we don't just simply start when we're like, oh man, we need to recharge the church. Let's just focus on the adult ministries. Kids stuff, you're doing great. Kids love it. I love, I love showing up. Um, but actually, I would say caring for these kids' souls and desiring for them to deeply know the Lord. So by the time they become adults, their idea of church is, man, we're coming to celebrate yeah. the Lord and we're coming not to get filled, but to already be in a place of abundance. Um, or and celebrate that abundance celebrate with that. other Christians. Uh-huh. Something that I you were talking about, and I, I want to ask both of you answer this question. Um, do you think like the way that youth ministry is structured where it's like, you know, you come for food mm-hmm. and you might get talked to for 20 minutes and then you kind of go do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that affects the way people's spiritual lives function as adults? Because they don't know how to, they don't know how to function in t- hard times when, you know, they're not getting little snacks all the time and they don't associate that with God anymore because they're on their own, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you think that starts as a, at, like in children's church and do you think that carries through into adulthood and you think that might be why people are 
people step away from the church because they run into hard times. In real life, the real Christian walk does not reflect what church is like on Sundays. Is that a clear question? Should I restate that? No, no, it was good. I I don't know how to answer this one. Mm-hmm. It is a... I don't think there's anything wrong with having fun. There's not. Yes. Yeah, yes. I don't want to say it. Yeah, I, I, I no, came no, off no, as no, kind of no, like... I'm not, I'm not saying you said that. I'm trying to just expand on what you're saying. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with have pizza you know have, what i'm saying have, have pizza have the have snacks have the snacks these are i still, love the donuts on this Sunday is what morning. i'll say these are still kids and youth but how do you present the fun yeah because often i think is the main draw the gospel like, or is it the food maybe like the fun is like you know i don't think i've ever like seen a youth leader sit there and be like you know hey like these like games and stuff we want to have fun because we want you guys to be in community Mm-hmm. with one another i think games teach kids so much oh yeah of like what to do and i think um you present it i think and people have said this it's like oh it's just a means but when you put so much emphasis on the means and don't really talk about the heart posture behind it meaning guys we want to play games with you because we want you guys to interact with one another or guys we have pizza for you guys because we want to just give a gift to you guys and share our appreciation for you as students and say, Hey, we know that you guys was guys would love this. I feel like it's just like a throne, like, Oh, there's pizza there. It's lit and everything. But so many times we don't explain our heart posture. And I think that would just change everything is like, Oh, this is a gift. This is why we're doing this. This is why you. we're doing, Oh, this is why we're playing games. You know, it's, it's fun and it's interactive, but it's also fellowship and it's time to be with one another. Yeah. Mm. That's what I love about, the gospel project, like the curriculum we're using now is that every activity that they do, they have a, like, let's say we have, we play this game and after the game, I explain it all. We play it. They insert a Christ connection or a story connection of like, Hey, we're playing this game, but do you remember how you had to rely on this person because of Uh this? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, in our story today, we are going to learn about this. And this is, Uh and I think it provides, I mean, in those examples of what I do on Sunday mornings, it provides Uh them with a tangible way for their kid minds to fully comprehend. Because if, I mean, kids have limited experience. And so by us having a conversation like here, about, okay, I had to trust God with this, this, and this. Mm. We can understand that because there's been so many times where we've had to truly just rely mm. on his power and his presence. Come Whereas on. kids don't necessarily have those experiences or aren't aware of those experiences. Yeah. And so in order to, yeah, like explain our heart posture, I think is amazing. And for us to also um, just connect it in a way to what we're teaching. And if it's can be applied or just by simply saying we want to celebrate you um like we did Mm -hmm. a for our palm sunday celebration we did donkeys and donuts so i brought in two donkeys um (laughs) who had two donkeys uh so actually it was like one of my friends growing up her mom has like a whole animal business where i mean she grew up i grew up going to her house and we'd feed um her black bear like little hershey's whoa whoa whoa, she has a bear she's got a black bear she had a black bear i think the black bear passed away but is this um, local uh i mean north manchester so it's yeah i know where that is that's crazy yeah so i grew up my parents were like no pets and then i'd go to my friend's house and she'd have all of that she's got a bear 
Bear so, beats Battlestar so yes, Galactica. So I got two donkeys from them and they, they came and the kids got to just like wave the palm branches. We oh, explained wow. the story. But it was, I mean, for most of the yeah. kids, the first time they've ever seen a donkey. Uh-huh. And so, um, and like when it was like in the process of trying to figure out like, do we do this event? Do we not? Yeah, we're yeah, like, yeah. listen, if this provides a tangible, like, yes, it's fun. Kids are like, wait, how do the donuts connect? I'm like, they don't. It's just a celebration, <laughs> donuts right? Donuts are awesome. Donkeys just love donuts, the donuts. Like, they, it's fine. But with that, it's in the conversations that we had were very much of, does this provide a tangible way for the kids mm, to just see yeah. the story? And while it is fun and while we enjoyed doing it, like, we did host this event. And so I think, like, and just in the process of, like, yes, we want to host fun games. Yes, we want to, like, have laser tag nights or yeah, yeah, Nerf yeah. gun wars or whatever. We want to do that, but we want to do so. I think especially, like, kids deserve to know it's not just for fun. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I think yeah. they deserve to hear that we're like, no, we care about you. Like, we want to have fun with you. Like, I want to go have a Nerf gun war in the church with you because that's a way that we can start building community. So I yeah. think it can sometimes if it's not approached in the right capacity could just then lead into a being focused on, Hey, we're just kind of like, I, well, yeah, showing up, like what game are we playing? What food's going to be there? And I think by explaining that it just changes uh-huh. the whole culture and like the shift of how you approach it, I guess. Yeah. It doesn't become also, it doesn't become like the identity mm-hmm. of your ministry. Mm-hmm. Like people are like, man, that youth group's lit because they have a bunch of fun games. They've got an Xbox. They got a bunch got of PS5. Things. And I think what's so profoundly is that when you're t- when your students are excited because they'll say, man, we love coming to youth group because we love hearing the word or we love small group time. Man, it, it got me, other. dude, it got me so emotional this past semester. It was one of the kindest like things like that I've ever heard. But we were sitting there and I was asking the students like, what do you like? when is the time you feel closest to the Lord? And my students really went, oh, when we're in small group with one another. And it was just such this like, like that was like, I don't know accolade could match that. Like that was the greatest compliment as a minister you could ever receive is that, and the greatest like victory, like honestly is like, I'll, listen, we've had the all-nighters and we love it. I love a good all-nighter. Hey, jeez. Oh, I've realized how much, I mean, I've only four years from high school, but I was, you're Ooh, built boy. different in high school oh, for yeah. all-nighters. Oh, yeah. Hey man. And I was suffering. I was in the nursery at 2 a.m. taking a 30 yeah, minute pounding. You're, <laughs> you're curled like, up underneath they were one playing, of those They were playing Monopoly and I said, hey man, take my game for a second. I gotta go. I but, can't do it anymore. Oh I can't stay up. I got. I've man. never pulled an all nighter in college. Oh, I've refused. Oh, me neither. The only time I did it was the night I graduated. Twice. I'm, I'm lame, apparently. Uh, no, I guess I am month. too. I can't do it. <laughs> three times Bro, this month. <laughs> I don't know if sleep is like my idol or what, but I am like. <laughs> sleep is my idol. I am like a grouchy old man. Uh, I mean, I kind of am. I mean, you hurt me. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. heard what I was saying earlier. I was like, uh, man, I kind of sound like a grouchy old man. <laughs> but I really am. I go to bed at 9 p.m. <laughs> I could. <laughs> if I don't get my black coffee in the morning and I don't go to sleep at 9, I'm grumpy. No, it's because you sounded, you sounded like my dad. Anytime I, I, sh- I share with him any type of burden I have, he goes... I came over to this country with nothing but a kit bag and no, no money to my name. And I, I came to a camp and I was just living off. And I was like, you know what, Dad? My suffering is not less because you may have suffered more. Times have changed. What, like uh, whenever I talk to my father-in-law, like sometimes we goof off and we talk about like 
our our ethnic origins. And I'm a quarter Mexican. I'm like, Troy, where are you from? He's like, oh, I don't know. We we came over on the covered wagons. Like he's talking <laughs> about, he was like a pioneer, like on oh, the Oregon Trail or something. Goodness. And he took like a 23 in me, and he still won't tell me what it says. He I think he said that. This is like 95% covered wagon or something stupid. <laughs> he won't tell me. What the heck? Anyways, off topic. Off I'm so topic sorry. Completely. But yeah, I think when you, what your kids love the most, and you can't always control this. So I'm going to preference this. You can't always control this and things take time. So if your ministry is still in a stage where the kids are only coming for a certain reason, my encouragement to you is be faithful, be patient, continue to do these things, set these narratives. Um, the I, as much as we try to make the culture of our ministries the most, I kid you not, anybody that's listening, your kids are the culture setting. Your students are the culture setting. The adults of your church set the culture of that local church. As much as minister, we can set this up, and we can do very intentional things, and they are important. But ultimately, be patient and as you do these things, and just be patient to see that culture evolve. But what I'm saying is, you, whatever your people say that they love the most about the church or gets them most excited says a lot about your ministry. And it says a lot about what you're emphasizing the most to them. There's nothing wrong with emphasizing events, emphasizing games, fun things, all that. But if you're not em- emphasizing even in a greater sense, the intention behind it, the intentionality you have for it, It'll just be like, oh, they just want us to have fun. But there's a difference between they just want to have us to have fun and they care for us. And I think that is what's the point we're trying to get across here is that doing these things, caring for the students' souls, is that even within the treats you give them, you can emulate the love of Christ and what it means to be a Christ follower by saying, hey, this is just a physical symbol of our appreciation to you as students. Christ fed a lot of people. Oh, God, yeah. You fed a lot of people. (gasps) Like, I think what you're saying, like, that's why I have such a beef with such numbers motivated. And, like, I know you need people in the church to pay the bills and keep the lights on and pay your salary. I get it. But what what would would a student think if they heard that, like, the only question you were ever asked about how your ministry is healthy is how many people are there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They start to think, oh, I'm just a number on a spreadsheet. Yeah. That I get Uh reported back to the board. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Man. I couldn't imagine how that would make me feel if I was a sophomore in high school, a brand new Christian, and I find out like that the you know the head youth person, the only thing he's concerned about is how many people are there, mm-hmm. which like I understand they've got bosses too, and they have there's a whole chain of things, but it's like man, it also makes the students not feel enough. Yeah, come on, imagine how they would if feel if you if you if there is an event and you are disappointed, and it's okay if you sit there and like, and if it's like oh man like. We were really expecting more and it didn't happen. Take your moment, but love any kid that shows up there and make that your greatest mission. Oh, dude, the way I've thought about it is like, and it's a challenge to think this way, but what if in my ministry, the only effect I had was on one person's heart Mm -hmm. and that person went on to maybe affect two Uh and then those two together might've affected five. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? Yeah, we, this is just kind of, we, at the beginning of April, we hosted a, an Encanto movie night. So we showed the <laughs> Disney movie. We don't talk Encanto. about Bruno. Yes. And, um, 
but we, I mean, we had planned, I originally planned for a hundred kids and I was like, um, you know what? Let's just plan for more. Let's see what happens. And we had 17 kids show up. So we planned for 250 kids and we had 17 kids show up and a lot of them were staff kids. And yet when I took it then to our staff meeting the following week and we were talking about it and everyone on my staff celebrated the 17 and and that just re I mean I I wasn't disappointed in the moment I was excited for the kids who showed up to be there but to watch my staff truly because I've been so fearful that I would be on a staff of hey they count by numbers and I'm like I'm not a numbers person I'm a person like I I relate to people not to numbers and so um for watching them like celebrate the 17 that came wow and not disappointed by the 250 we had planned for that 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 was just a moment where I got to be like, yes, like these are people who truly care about people's hearts and about the impact that if you reach the one, that one can reach another and then it continues to multiply. But if you're just like to be focused on, I would just want to reach one person for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if that's all I do, like that's enough. And, and I love that mindset. Um, but yeah, I get frustrated often when I hear of other people who are in ministry and they're like, yeah, like I had to tell my boss that we didn't have enough kids show up. I'm like, no, like it should be a celebration and not a Uh like defeat that kids didn't show up. It should be a celebration that kids did come or Uh the one came or like type of thing. So I think that's just what I want to share. Come on. That's fire. There's always a victory. Now, as we, um, kind of begin to land this ship uh one question that we want to what are you laughing at me for? still love that we say land the ship I land the ship man like it's a land plane the ship man just, <laughs> but um what is um what is one piece of advice that you could give to people as they as it sounds like you were somebody that was wrestling through those first few years about what am i actually like called to do mm-hmm. what would you what would your biggest advice be to students right now that are wrestling through their calling um, and what God is, is leading them to do. Yeah. I think for my experience, I, I wrestled a lot. Like there was, I mean, in the moment moments I was wrestling the most, it was a wrestle of do I stay in college or do I not? And because I didn't feel at home where mm-hmm. I was. And, and so I think for, for those who are finding themselves wrestling and that of what what are my next steps? What do I do? I would just be to just be still. And my my mentor told me this one time. She goes, the verse says, "Be still and know that I am God." Not be still and feel that I am God. Mm. Um, and so it's not a matter of okay, right now I just I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. feel like God is telling me what to do. That it's not a matter of feeling it, but it's a matter of trusting and knowing that Come He's on. going to do what He needs to do. And mm. um, and definitely um, holding tight to that. I had to do that a lot when I was wrestling, but to rely on other people to speak into your life, but more importantly to set a time aside time for God to be the one who speaks. And so I think we often want to jump to, I need to know now I need to know the plan. That is (laughs) me. I am a planner. I'm like, if you don't tell me (laughs) the plan, like I am stressed. And so that was a really, a really difficult time of of one that was stressful. Like, and, and so to be in that, I relied a lot on other people's opinions. I'm like, tell mm. me what I should do. I need help. And and it wasn't until later on that I truly just sat down with God. I'm like, God, I need you to guide these next steps. And yeah, like yeah, yeah. two days later, found this piece of paper. And here we are now, Come like on. two years later, about to enter into full-time ministry. And so just to truly not neglect the time spent with God um, yeah, yeah. and to not be discouraged when you feel like you don't hear him because mm. you can know and trust that he is still there. Yeah. 
That's so good. So good. So me and Griffin, the way we like to end things is by giving you some affirmations um, from based off of what you've told us. Um, yeah. And as we've gotten to know you through this podcast, um, I can start first, Griffin. Um, I think that it is beautiful what you're trying to do with um, just even like the beginning of the IBS with the kids. Um, I think it shares your heart that you truly want kids to know that they are children of God. And what does that mean? Um, what does it mean to know who God is, to have a relationship? And I think with relationship comes questions and it comes, think this doesn't make sense. And I think what you, and I, my biggest encouragement to you is, as you even begin to the mindset of like, how could you do this with different age groups in the process? Just because not many people have done it, you know, I, I think that you could be the one to do it and begin to process that. And I think you have the heart for it. You have the drive for it. Um, and you're even with that 17 kids story. Um, I think you're somebody that if one kid left your ministry knowing how to do all that IBS stuff, it would be the biggest victory um, to you still. And I think that is, again, just because of your genuine love for the um, the type of ministry that the Lord has called you into, but also the type of person that God has made you, that you're not satisfied with just giving people, giving them the mundane. Um, and that's so beautiful. Um, and I think that your story, um, is just incredible. Um, just trying to figure it out. And then one day picking up a piece of paper and it's like changes, changes everything. And I think that also is an example of your obedience of, oh, wow, Lord, this is what I know to do, you know? Um, and I just love that. And my, I have my best wishes and prayers to you as you go on this journey, um, and knowing that there's kids ministries like there, like I would, I would love it if you were my kids pastor in the future. <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> uh, yeah, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Just, I can tell, I mean, we've never spoken before this recording, but just from this hour, you have a very pastoral heart, very pastoral spirit. Um, and you are going to be an amazing pastor and I don't want to preface that with female pastor or any other adjectives you're going to be an amazing pastor and don't let anyone look down on you because you're doing kids ministry because a lot of people might and don't let anyone look down on you because you're a woman in ministry because a lot of people are going to even in an affirming school like this an affirming denomination not affirming what's the word I'm looking for Egalitarian? Um, Egalitarian, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're still going to run into that. So know that you are exactly where you're supposed to be, and you are going to be a fantastic minister of God, okay? Thank you. Yeah. Now, what is one way we can pray for you before we head out? Um, I just definitely think with all the changes that are happening. Yeah. I mean, like graduation, <laughs> wedding, full-time <sighs> ministry. Next few weeks. It's gonna I need to pray for some coffee. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but... I think definitely. Shout out Tyler. Whatever. You never showed up. Tyler, when we you hear you, this Tyler. in the recording, I'm mad at you, man. <laughs> I think the last text I saw from him was, the line is crazy. Oh, he's, so, still, he's like, oh, yeah, sorry. I was still in line the whole time. <laughs> that is. We love you, Tyler, though. Yes, yes.
Yes. Tyler, you're, you'll always be more than the tech guy to me. Uh, okay. We're not even what is that, that, a throwback to episode one? Throwback episode one. <laughs> but you were saying uh, just with all the changes. Yeah, just everything. with all the changes happening, just mm-hmm. for just this to be present in yeah. all the changes. I mean, they're great big things that are happening, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. hard to just be present in all of that. So, yeah. yeah. I got you. Well, let's pray. Um, Lord, we thank you so much for today. God, I thank you that we were able to have uh, Carson onto this podcast Lord, it is clear that she is someone who has embodies the fact that she is a daughter of God. Um, and her desire is to go and to teach this, the students, the, the kids of this world about you. Um, and I pray with the context she is even in right now that she continues to just be able to like minister to these uh, students. And Lord, I, um, my prayer is that as she even begins to process these IBS things with them, that you just begin to open up the hearts and the minds of the student, that even now that I pray, I pray that more questions begin coming up and they become even more intrigued and in that uh, Carson is equipped um, with the words to say um, and the ability to care for those kids as they walk through this. Lord, I pray for her life right now as so many things are changing, um, graduating, getting married, going, I mean, just so many things to happen all at once. But I pray within the midst of that, that she lives by those words that her mentor said. She lives by the words that your word delivers to us, that we need to be still and know that you are God. Because you are God before we were pastors. You are God before we were ever called husband or wife. You are God. You are our God before any other title we held in this world, we were just first son or daughter. So I pray in the midst of all this change and even things that are so good. And I pray for her marriage with Caleb and that they um, have a beautiful and blessed marriage that represents you, Lord, and represents the church. Um, and God, I, I pray as she moves forward into that, that she knows that in the midst of the change, the one thing that will never change is that she is your daughter and you love her so much and that you have such great plans for her. Um, and I'm excited to see them play out throughout the years. Um, and Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Griff, send us out. We would like to thank the band Caledonia for the music you've heard on the podcast today. You can find their links in the show notes. We would also like to thank the Indiana Wesleyan School of Theology and Ministry for making all of this possible. Um, without them, we wouldn't be able to do this podcast or anything else on the Cult Collective uh, uh-huh. Network. And uh, thank you guys for being here. Thanks, Thanks for Carson. listening. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. Bye. See you.